Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, it is me, Ellie Gibson. Thank you for joining us for Sort Your Shit Out, the podcast that's about just finding a bit of balance in our lives. This series, we've looked at balancing the booze, why so many of us are drinking too much and how we can, you know, sort that shit out. With me is Stephanie Chivers, coach, trainer and person who just basically supports people to make alcohol insignificant. And big thanks, by the way, to our sponsor, Remedy Kombucha. They make really nice fizzy pop, comes in lovely flavours, wild berry, ginger lemon. Oh, delightful. And we've got a wonderful guest with us today. Uh, In this episode, we're going to look at what we've learned. Well, basically what I've learned, really, across the series. And Stephanie's going to give us some practical advice about where we go from here. And joining us is Joe Bevilacqua, award-winning multi-business owner, entrepreneur, best-selling author and mother of two beautiful princesses. Did you write that, beautiful princesses? <laughs> oh, maybe a long time ago. I might not feel like that oh, right now. They're getting a bit older. <laughs> I'm the mother of two hilarious goblins, so oh, at least we've we go. got, you know, we've got that in common. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Joe. So first of all, can you tell us about your relationship with booze? Like, what's it been like and where are you now, basically? Yeah, I've definitely had quite the journey. So thanks so much for asking me to come on. Um, I guess uh, for me, being a teenager in late 1990s stroke early noughties um, in a place called Peterborough, there wasn't much to do but kind of go out and get a little bit drunk. My whole world really revolved around going out and getting as drunk as possible, as quickly as possible. And that was probably most nights of the week, juggling that with either college or work. And that kind of continued with me um, throughout my journey, really, until I got pregnant with my first child. Um, And then obviously it kind of stopped while I was pregnant. um, And then the odd night out um, once a month or whatever with the girls would happen. Um, I wasn't so much of a drinker at home. Um, But it was a case of when I used to go out, it would be that there was no stop button whatsoever. Mm. And one kind of turned into two and then five and ten. And I was always the first one at the bar getting the shots. And yeah, there was just no switch off really until I was maybe too drunk to walk, I guess. Um, And I think it just got to a point where... I just got so busy with work and obviously with the kids and responsibilities and I couldn't deal with hangovers that were not just one day but then turning into two days or three days and all the responsibility of day-to-day life it just didn't really seem practical it wasn't healthy for me so then I decided to stop drinking a couple of months um towards the end of 2019 Um, I made a decision to kind of not drink for a year and see how that went. Obviously, then the pandemic hit. 
So I feel like I had a bit of a cop out, whereas actually I didn't have the temptation of going mm. out. Or... Did you actually start Corona? Let's let's oh, be honest. Yeah. Let's <laughs> drill down. I went on holiday to Wuhan, and next thing you knew, I came back, and, <laughs> and it really helped me. Yeah, yeah. I had paid that, after I paid that visit to that lab and left the door open. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that was kind of an easy cop out for me. Um, I, I wasn't really tempted to drink at home. I, I sort of used the lockdown as an excuse to really get into drinking. It's interesting that you had the sort of opposite Yeah, thing. and speaking to people about it, actually, I think you were probably one or the mm-hmm. other. Right. So I knew a lot of friends, and it was the weather was gorgeous, wasn't it? Mm. So um, friends that maybe had been furloughed, and it was kind of like, oh, it's just turned 12 o'clock, it's gorgeous outside. We're yes. almost like it's on, we're on holiday. So That's it. I used to like to drink yeah. until the point where, where I could believe I was, in fact, yeah. in Tuscany and not Catford. <laughs> If Catford's turned into Tuscany, you've probably had too much. I know that now, but at the time it was marvellous. Yeah, and I think it's it was just people went through different things, didn't they? And I just thought I need to be as focused as I can. Obviously, I had teams to look after and trying to keep motivated. And I had a community of women who were all business owners and trying to keep them kind of motivated as well. I was at, at my laptop at eight o'clock in the morning, not going to bed after finishing calls at 10 o'clock at night. I just felt like I needed to be clear. So yeah, I just made the decision to stay sober throughout that time. Um, and then as things kind of started loosening up a little bit, I think I went 18 months without a drink, actually. Um, and then the pressure of the, the 18 months of COVID and, and all of that kind of did take its toll a little bit. And I did go out a couple of times with the girls or we had barbecues and stuff, but it just didn't feel the same or kind of taste the same, um, which I was definitely glad of. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely more of a moderate drinker now Mm. um and I could definitely have more control over it now and I think sometimes when you go through that journey don't you of do I give up alcohol or do I wind down how much I'm drinking you kind of look at triggers and for me I think being unhappy maybe in relationships or feeling out of control um drinking would definitely kind of come in um and be my old friend whereas actually I think if you do a lot of work on yourself um, and recognise those triggers, actually, most of the time, you probably don't need alcohol. It's something else that you need to sort mm. out. So, but, Like when you say it like that, that sounds like, oh, yeah, that of course, that makes perfect sense. But that feels like quite a big hill to climb if you think, where where do you start with that, Stephanie? <laughs> Good question. Everybody's completely different, as as we've heard doing this podcast. And like you're listening now to Joe, it's you're probably thinking, oh, it's not like you said about the pandemic. Well, I drank and Joe didn't. And that's exactly... All right, she's the better person. We all know that. No, we've established that. that. Thank you. But that was really interesting is it did... It was like that. People were in two camps. So Mm. there were people, you know, prior to the pandemic that were drinking problematically and then the pandemic hit and they just stopped like that because that's that real... There's a shift. There's a change. So there's a change in values, probably stuff going on with work and kids and things like that and money. And then you had people that probably weren't drinking that much and then they started to drink even more in the pandemic yeah well I I was training for a marathon which in the end didn't happen so I wasn't drinking that that much until the lockdown started I was like oh there's no point doing a 20 mile run tomorrow perhaps I shall have another scrapino you know (laughs) (laughs) on the sort of generalist side we can say that alcohol is a drug and it's highly addictive and it's readily available and socially acceptable so that's the blanket sort of statement you know it's sold to us we know that so there's 
you know, it's really easy for people to get into trouble with alcohol. So for some people, it is just about education. For some people, it is about reducing, it is about taking a break. And then when they take that break or they reduce, they get to figure out, well, why was I drinking? What were my triggers and things like that? I mean, it's oversimplifying it because there are so many reasons. There are small things and big things. It can be stuff like work, money, relationships, but it can be really big stuff around you know, a child being sick, like powerlessness and acceptance and, you know, maybe your husband's dying and stuff like that. Mm. There's all, there's so much at play. Life, essentially. So once you've identified those, those triggers, maybe you have got a sick family member, for example, and there's nothing mm-hmm. you can do about that, is yep. there? Yep. So then how do you go from that to going, well, that, I know that's my trigger, mm-hmm. but then how do you manage practically uh, not pulling it? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm not well, sure that's the right well, metaphor. Yeah, well, we can pull it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Let's pull it. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially what, you know, when you don't use alcohol to cope with whatever it is, there might be stuff going on, there might not be stuff going on, it really doesn't matter. But then if you're just being with life, big stuff, small stuff, then it's learning how to be with life. It's learning how to manage your thoughts and your feelings and to be human, to understand what it means to be human, but also to accept what life is about. You know, mm. that we're, we're all going to die. That's it. You know, what? nobody's, yeah, sorry. I mean, <laughs> nobody's getting out of here alive. You know, that's it. It's just the reality of life. All right, it's sad, but that doesn't mean, and I, not to negate how difficult this is for people. I know how difficult this is for people, and there's no judgment. You know, do you, if that's what you need to do. But I work with some people whose partner is dying. And what they want to do is they want to be at their best in that process, no matter Mm. how difficult it is, you know, in the same way as that, you know, I work with people who are parenting very ill children as well. You know, all right, it's difficult and the emotions are raw and it's really hard and they want to suppress that with alcohol. But essentially what they want to do is be present and available to that, even if it's difficult. And that's Mm. where the support comes in, really. And and I guess, like you say, it's about your own triggers. And even like yes. hearing you say that, yeah. there's a little voice in my head. When you say, you know, um, we're all going to die, that yeah. there's a voice in my head that has yeah. sometimes still says, oh, you might as well have a drink or you might as well have yes. another drink because we're all going to be dead one day. Mm. What difference does it make? Why are we preserving our liver? Uh, because yeah. we're all, I, I do think a lot about mortality because I'm 45 and, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> mental. But um <laughs> You're young. <laughs> halfway through, Stephanie. I'm more than halfway hopefully. through. Hopefully. Oh. Yeah, I hope that's a good yeah. point, actually. Hopefully. Yeah. Halfway through, what a privilege it is to even be able to say Absolutely. that. Absolutely. I do feel very privileged yeah. and very, um, yes, and I have, you know, there's a reason I don't dye my hair or, you know, have Botox and stuff. I'm, I'm quite proud of having made it this far, especially the I'm amount of fab, archers really. I drank in the 90s. Um, <laughs> it's a wonder, really. <laughs> but I read this book called 4,000 Weeks, yes. uh, which is a great book, Oliver Burke and wrote it about how um and if you're bad at maths like me that can be quite a shocking fact that if you yeah. live to 90 which if you're lucky enough to live a sort of western privileged lifestyle with clean water and all of that that's your your perhaps life expectancy mm-hmm. so then if that's it so that's like and if we're halfway through at 45 then we've only got 2,000 more Saturday nights and to be honest yeah there is still sometimes a voice in my head that says you've only got 2,000 Saturday nights you might as well get pissed well they're actually more often these days you might as well stay in and get pissed because you're too old to go out. <laughs> and it's too bloody expensive. Yes. Now, isn't it? It's not quite back in the days where I was going out and it was like a VK bottle of for one pound. Oh, 
God. It's a lot more expensive now. But I think it's just about looking at what is important to you right now, isn't it? And I think for me, spending as much time with my kids as they grow up and it got to a point where if I was going out with the girls as I was getting ready, the kids would be like, okay, so dad, what are we doing tomorrow? Because mum's going to be in bed all day. And hearing yeah. that once was kind of funny. Hearing it was two that an or alarm three, bell? Was yeah, it? yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, as if they were making all these fun plans to do on the Sunday, and they were just writing me off completely. Which was that—that that was their reality. If Mum went out with the girls, she wasn't getting out of bed the next day. So, yeah, yeah I think it's these small things, isn't it? And then being hungover on the Monday and the Tuesday, and not really having that clear head, and and all of those things. So I think it's. Looking at what's a priority to you. And if drinking serves you, then, and you don't want to give up, then that's fine. As, as don't Stephanie mind shortening said. your life. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's your decision, isn't it? And I just think we all have our own decision. We all have that personal responsibility to ourselves as to how we want to lead our life. But actually, if you know that it's becoming a problem for yourself or it's having an impact on your family or your relationships and you know something needs to change, then you need to make that decision to change. And, and whether that's seeking help, whether that's reading a book, whether that's just cutting down a couple of units a night or a week, then it's about those small changes that are going to have that big impact. And how how personal then is that? Because I've found, I know you've got loads of tips and stuff, Stephanie, you're going to share with us. Mm-hmm. And I've had to work out things that work for me. So yeah. one of the things that really works for me is having a thing that I care about to do the next day. So yes, a big one is absolutely spending time yeah. with my kids, you know. Um, but I still I still find it more difficult on days where I don't have anything to do the next day or it's Christmas or it's, you know, stuff yeah. like that. So... I guess it's just, but that is, is that it's working out what your thing is, right? Yeah. I mean, I can throw 50 tips at you, like, but they won't all work for you. Okay. The the key bit is, is you need to take action. Like what happens a lot is people read books and they listen to podcasts. Not there's anything wrong with that. (laughs) I recommend it. (laughs) Yeah. Listen to it twice. (laughs) Yeah. And they're like, oh, well, should I do this? Should I do that? And they, you know, it becomes a bit ridiculous. It's like, no, nobody knows the answer. I don't care what anybody says. There might be people on their line, online selling. If you do my program, you will definitely do this. No, nobody knows what the answer is. I can throw a whole load of stuff at you and then you go do it. You take the action and it's through taking the action that you will learn and then you will build up your toolbox. Another little saying for you, Ellie. Yeah. I really like journey so much. So I thought I'd put toolbox yeah, no, in no. as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, like I'm, I'm clenching. Yeah. <laughs> toolbox. <laughs> yeah, but that's, that's it, isn't it? What are, what are some of the strategies that you've used, Jo? For me, I think it's um, a lot about being clear on my boundaries. I'm a bit of a people pleaser. And I think as women, we tend to be that. That's a very generalist um, statement. Um, But working with women and being a real kind of girl's girl, we all have this common thing where we want to make everybody else happy. We don't want to let anybody else down. So for me, when I was going through that journey of giving up alcohol and not drinking or at least cutting down and, and not going out with the intention of getting absolutely smashed, for me, it was about being really clear on those boundaries and communicating them with the people that I was going out with. Um, 
and making it quite clear that I wasn't drinking and it was a non-negotiable. And if anyone was to try and say that I was boring if I wasn't drinking, that was just not acceptable. Or actually, if I just wanted a couple and I didn't want any shots, that that would be acceptable too. So for me, yeah. it's, it's I have all a, it's about funny, I have a rule where I just don't do shots. I'm just not yeah. doing shots. I don't care if it's your wedding. I don't care if it's your birthday. Well, just because mainly it just makes me... Um, I, I, I do, as I say, I really like drinking, but I yeah. enjoy... I enjoy the taste of it and I enjoy the, the experience yeah. of it. But shots to me is like, but you're missing the fun <laughs> bit, which is the sipping. That's part of the fun, right? Yeah, yeah, well, I'm the opposite. I'm like, as soon as I have a few, I'm like, let's just get absolutely levered. And the quickest way to do that is by downing lots and lots of shots. Mm-hmm. So it, it's funny how everyone's so different, isn't it? So, yeah, I think for me, it's clear boundaries and it's clear communication. And it's surrounding yourself with people that respect your decision. So when I was going through the not drinking, I would go out with certain people and I wouldn't go out with other people. And if they wanted to see me, it was going for a walk or it was going for a meal, maybe somewhere where they didn't serve alcohol and that kind of thing, or they would come around for a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. I wasn't going to put myself in a situation where I would then end up people pleasing and letting myself down Mm. for someone else's benefit because they assumed I was boring because I wasn't as wild as them because they were steaming drunk. And what sort of response have you have you had to people been going, I'm displeased. How dare you? Uh, I think there was a lot of disbelief when I made the decision. Yeah, a lot of people, whether it was through banter or it was just coming from an honest place, I don't think anybody, friends or family, believed that I would do it for a year and the fact that I did it for 18 months. But I think there's a level of respect there. Um, There was a couple of people that were quite put out by it because I think then it highlights their own journey with alcohol. But on the whole, I think I'm quite a straight-talking person. So if you say something I don't agree with or something that doesn't quite sit right, then I'll kind of call you out on the bullshit. Um, So I think there was a level of maybe people had more thoughts about the situation and how they were displeased with it rather than communicating it to me because I wasn't really interested in anyone else's opinions, really. Mm. But that comes from being quite, I guess, a strong personality. Not everybody is like that, and I understand. But I think when you do the work on yourself and you are super clear of what's important to you and why you're doing it, it kind of gives you that authority to, this is a statement, it's not up for discussion. Mm. Well, look, Stephanie, you, you've you started the toolbox thing. <laughs> you want to see you my were going to get back with that. I'm opening your toolbox, <laughs> hand me a spanner. Hand me your best spanner. Oh gosh, my best spanner. I've got loads of spanners. In terms of screwdrivers, so we're going through everything. Hacksaws, oh, okay. spirit levels, <laughs> anything on. you've got. Open yeah. the toolbox. What's in your toolbox, Chivers? <laughs> loads. But just going back to Joe's point, like she's saying about being assertive and boundaried, like you are that way naturally. So yeah. that part of what you were doing was easy for you. And that's something that people really struggle with. Yeah. Not necessarily so much in the one-to-one, but in the group stuff. Like they can reduce or be alcohol-free and then it tends to be what we're working on is assertiveness and boundaries wow. just generally so the fact that you've got that means I mean I wrote a whole book about it near on oh, so yeah <laughs> so Joe's got a toolbox on assertiveness and boundaries if you want it it's not too early for the plug yeah. we're not doing the plug yet we're doing the toolbox we're not doing okay, the plug toolbox the first one Sorry. is the most important one is educate yourself so you can make an informed choice which is the best way to do that is to read drink by professor david nutt because once you've educated yourself then you can go from there the other bit is see alcohol for what it is it's a drug 
So once you start calling it a drug and seeing it as a drug, that just changes it altogether. You know, sometimes I would do workshops, sort of alcohol reduction workshops, and I'd say to people, does anybody in the room use drugs? And they'd be like, oh, no, oh God, no, wouldn't take drugs. Mm. Like, yeah, you, you all take drugs. You're all drug takers. But they don't want to think of themselves as drug takers. So what's so, your definition of a drug? Is it, is it a, a, a mind-altering substance, yeah. basically? Yeah. yeah. Something that you ingest that alters the way you think and feel. Yes. So. I'm now thinking of pictures of Michael Bublé with no top on, but that's <laughs> a different kind of drug <laughs> entirely. <laughs> but when we, when we think about it as a drug, so for instance, when you think about your medication or maybe you are a recreational drug user, you know, cannabis or whatever, you think about that. You know, you don't, like with alcohol, it's so accepted in our society, whereas if we flip that a bit, think of it as a drug, it can help us to make reductions. Count your units, really important as well. Oh, that sounds boring, Stephanie. I know, I know, but you need to know how much you're drinking. So if you figure out how many units you're drinking, I nine times out of ten when somebody does this, they come back to me and they go, oh my God, I didn't realise yeah. I was drinking that much. I like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've done that, Joe. I have done that. There's lots of apps you can, you can download yeah. where you can, for free, where you can track how much units you're drinking. And it depends how much you want to get into it. So I've done the ones where you put in like exactly what you drink, like 250 mil of Merlot or yeah. whatever, uh, breakfast, and then so on and so on. <laughs> and then, so you can do that. And they, that I think that might be the drink aware one. And that, uh, it also has like a, a calculator. So it tells you how much money you're spending, even on the stuff you're drinking at home. And that's quite upsetting. Um, so there's that. And then there was another one I had where it tells you um, exactly the blood alcohol level of your mm. blood in a, gr- like oh, if you wow. want to get really Great. nerdy, you can, you put in each drink as you have it. And then you see on this terrible, terrifying graph of beautiful colours exactly how much booze and so and I was quite surprised to learn for example I was waking up at eight o'clock the next morning and I was yep. still above the light wow. the line yeah. for driving which is something I'd sort of heard about but and I would mm-hmm. never drive yeah. drunk but I hadn't actually realised that I probably mm-hmm. might have done so that was frightening um where I've come to now so I'm sort of best part of a year into doing all this I got I got bored quite quickly mm-hmm. of inputting every drink mm-hmm. and I found that tiresome mm-hmm. so now what I do is I have a black day a yellow day or a grey day <laughs> on this app so um, a yellow day is where I've not drunk anything whether that's planned or unplanned I've had no alcohol a grey day is where I've drunk but it's what I planned so I've gone I'm going out for dinner I'm going to have two or three glasses of wine I've mm-hmm. stuck to that a black day is where it's just all gone wrong and it's but no been, one died and nobody got arrested. But that's what I fun. love is, is that's yeah. your motto, isn't it, Stephanie? Yeah. Did anyone go to prison? Uh, did anyone die? Um, I don't have a colour for what happens if someone dies or goes <laughs> yes, to prison. You need a new app so here's that hoping that, that <laughs> doesn't, yeah, yeah, probably. So that's that's where I'm at with the apps. But again, that's something I think, because mm-hmm. that's what I didn't realise when I started working with you, I think. And that's what it's taken me a while to get is that it's not all or nothing, but it's not instant or, yep. you know, that you're re you're reprogramming mm. your brain, mm-hmm. right? So you can try out different things and it sort of doesn't matter so much if mm-hmm. they don't immediately work or if mm. you can't, you find that you can't input every single drink in the app every day. Mm-hmm. But um, I am that kind of all or nothing person if you haven't gathered by so far. But I think going through this, actually, it is about being intentional, isn't it? And saying, actually, I'm only going to have two drinks or three drinks. But I think if I would have had those apps previously after a night out and actually tried to remember everything that I had an input, I think that would have been quite scary and again it's about education isn't Mm -hmm. it and it's about being willing to 
know exactly what you're doing and what that means. So, yeah, I think if anybody else wants to kind of log what they are, because I think there is a bit of denial sometimes. Yeah. If, and again, it's not knowing how many units are in alcohol. So yeah. Yeah. I think it's just about being aware. So I think that's a great thing. Yeah. But also, I know the, I know it's boring units and the apps may or may not work, but just by doing it for a small amount of time, you build up your knowledge as to how many units there are in what you drink. So like, you know, two units and a pint of lager or three units and a glass of wine. So the idea is you just become aware of that. And like Joe says, you'd be intentional with it. But the other point about that is your body processes one unit per hour. So how many people actually only drink one unit per mm. hour? You know, people usually drink quite fast. And a unit is what in terms of wine, for example? So one unit of wine is probably just under 125 mil. So 125 mil glass is the small glass, which you don't see anywhere anymore. Your medium glass is 175 mil, which is 2.2 units. So you're probably looking at around 100 mil for about one unit of wine, which nobody drinks. It's like a little yeah. <laughs> tiny glass. It's a cup situation. Yeah. 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 So one unit of vodka is like 25 mil as well. Any of the spirits are 25 mil. So you're thinking what you want to be doing if you are drinking is only drinking one unit in the hour for your body to be able to process that. Because that's why they talk about binge drinking being more dangerous than the regular daily drinking. Obviously, that depends on how much you're drinking and other factors in your lifestyle. But if you go out twice a week and you drink sort of 10 units in a couple of hours you're really bombarding your body yeah. with, with poison you're giving it a lot to work with so that's why that's one of the main reasons i'm a massive fan of reducing because if you can just bring it down it makes a massive difference so if you drink 18 units a day which is two bottles of wine you shorten your life by 20 years wow. if you drink a bottle of wine a day that's nine units i think it's seven years but if you reduce down to 4.5 units, which is half a bottle of wine, it's two years. So that I could shows... easily lose two years. I yeah. mean, how good are yeah. the last two anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people aren't worried about two years, are they? <laughs> That's, you know, I've had shit jobs that lasted longer yeah. than that. <laughs> so it just... Or relationships. <laughs> yeah, yeah, relationships. <laughs> just... Periods of parenting. <laughs> Just by reducing, you can make a massive difference. So and and, and I would, as a, again, as a practical thing, a thing that I learned from you, Stephanie, was um, to think a bit more about what those quantities look like. Because when yes. I would go to a pub or a restaurant, I'd always go large glass of wine. Why would you not have a large glass yeah. of wine? You're having wine anyway. Economically, yeah. it just makes sense. Yes. Or a double for an extra quid. Might yeah. as well. <laughs> and then you said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting how they get you, isn't it? Yeah. And then you said to me, which again at the time, no offence, thought it was quite boring. You said to me, <laughs> you sure should measure out. <laughs> you should measure out with a measuring jug your wine. Yes. Um, when you're pouring it into the glass, which mm -hmm. um, because I am a very lazy person, then I um, what I did, I got a sharpie. And I started measuring, I wrote on all my wine glasses, Joe's just laughing at me. I measured, I'm telling you, this is a life hack. This is a life hack. I wrote the, the 175 mil line in Sharpie, which does survive the dishwasher. And so that when, and then I would pour my, and initially Pete was looking at me like I was insane. But I was like, no, this is actually, and actually 175 mil is, is more than I was thinking that is that is quite a good amount of wine it's a great Whereas visual, when i started though. to look at how much 250 is and actually worked out that that's a third of a bottle yeah. of mm. wine so three glasses of that is quite different mm. to three glasses of 125 whatever and then i was like mm. 
Oh, so you're laughing at me. I think you should put this in your toolbox. My, my Sharpie. <laughs> That's going to go viral on TikTok but next week. This is a <laughs> example of, I, I'll talk about this stuff and share this stuff. People go away, they play with it. They do their own thing for whatever reason. They find what works. That's yeah. the key bit. It's the taking action, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So lowering your percentage that's the other one. So for instance, if you are a spirit drinker, if you can go to wine, so spirits would be like 40%. Wine is anything between 10 and 14. But if you're a wine drinker, you can go to lager. That's like 4%. Yeah. yeah. And I try to alternate my drinks as well. When yeah. I, especially when I can I feel very much in control of having an alcoholic drink than having a yes. water. I don't know whether it's because yeah. I'm getting that little bit older and I'm a bit mm. warm everywhere anyway. So yeah. it, it does, yeah. that's a good excuse. Well, when you're dancing. Rehydrate yeah. I always will Absolutely. have now water yeah. with um, alcohol on the table, but yeah. I I struggle with like as soon as I sit down, I'm like, here we are, this is jolly, isn't it? We're all together. This is oh, we'll have some wine. I struggle with that, but again, it's a personal thing, isn't it? Water first, um, definitely, and then water in between or soft drinks in between. Smaller glasses, all these things about small habit change that are just playing a game with your head. Just time for a quick shout out to Remedy Kombucha for sponsoring this podcast. Not only are they fiscally supportive, they make really delicious live cultured fizzy drinks that contain no sugar or artificial sweeteners. They taste like they're made for actual adults, so they're brilliant if you're trying to drink less booze and they're full of good stuff like antioxidants and organic acids. I've been drinking them for about a year now and I bloody love them, especially the wild berry flavour. If you'd like to give them a try, Remedy Kombucha is available now from Morrison's, Tesco, Amazon, Ocado, Holland and Barrett and RemedyDrinks.com. Cheers! How do you stay out of round systems? Because I go drinking and often I go drinking mm. with men just because of the nature of my work and stuff like that. And they will get into a rounds and yeah. they drink faster than me and they, you know, their bodies yeah. can can take it more how do you manage that sort of angle um so i would always advise people to go a little bit late so you're not there for the first round if you can so don't preload so if you go a little bit late then they're there they've already bought the rounds people do drink fast because they're excited and nervous and it's habit there's loads of stuff going on so they drink that drink fast and then by the time you get there you can say oh no it's all right i'll get my own drink idea is you get a soft drink first So then you drink that soft drink slowly and you relax into it because when you first get somewhere, it's it's excitement, nervousness, anxiety, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And what you the instinct is to change that feeling Mm. when actually what I want people to do is to go feel the feeling, drink the soft drink and relax into it because that feeling will subside. And then if you want to have an alcoholic drink, have an alcoholic drink and drink it slowly the idea is by then they've had like three rounds and they're starting to be a bit like so they're already ahead of you Mm. which can help for you to drink less excellent nice screwdriver thanks very much so the key bit as well like joe was talking about triggers and that's what you're talking about there a lot of this is situational so if you can be think about be aware and learn about situations so places people feelings and timings where you might overindulge Mm. so like joe was saying there were some people that i just didn't go out with or i saw them you know i went different situations so that's part of doing the triggers work sometimes we don't always know what our triggers are but if you can be like okay do a list of people you always over drink with okay so if i want to drink less for a while 
best to see them in a different situation. Places where you go where you always overdrink and you avoid those places. Mm. Feelings that you always overdrink on, okay? Can I get some support with that so I can learn how to be with those feelings? Certain times like celebrations, Christmas, you know, stuff like that. Okay, plan for it. What can you do differently? Mm. So that can be a huge part of it as well. But I think it almost comes down again to that communication. And I think it's not about being embarrassed if you want to drink less or not drink at all. Whereas I think there is Mm. a bit of a stigma about not drinking, isn't there? But I think it's becoming more fashionable Mm. not to drink and to drink non-alcoholic beers or wines and things like that. So I think it's just about if you're not comfortable to have that conversation with the people that you're out with, that actually you don't want to be drinking tonight. So actually you don't want to kind of get involved in the round thing. Then maybe you need to look at that relationship a little bit maybe deeper. Maybe they're a anyway. twat. That's what you're saying, Joe. Maybe. maybe they're a twat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, again, it's making sure that you're surrounding yourself with the right people um, mm. and that really understand you and, and what you want from life or what you want in that situation. So that's it. That's, I think for me is the most important learning of all. Um, I think it's just about being strong in your conviction. Because if you're strong, other people will believe it. If you're kind of wavering and be like, well, I'm not quite sure, or you're quite embarrassed about it, they may not respect those boundaries. Yeah, I think the pressure more for me comes from from me. Your internal thoughts, isn't it? Of not being, if, if you're kind of doubts of not being as fun so I think that's definitely something that I've heard along the years if someone didn't want to drink or if I was a bit like oh I don't want to drink tonight it's, oh you're not as fun without alcohol and and mm. that internal narrative those stories that you tell yourself mm. but it's not just our stories that's that's a very societal thing yeah. because mm. people have said that to me they're like oh you're no fun anymore and actually somebody introduced me to someone once said oh this is Steph she used to be a lot of fun yeah and I'm just I'm thinking in my head like yeah but I feel great. I yeah. might not be like your fun party animal play friend anymore, but I feel fab and I'm alive and my kids are alive and yeah. <laughs> I'm going to live quite a long time probably compared to Two years me. longer than me, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all good with that, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, for me, it's not the external pressures. And, and actually, and again, I, I absolutely know that's a huge thing that you're saying for a lot of people, they drink for confidence. Or, whereas yeah. I never fucking shut up anyway. And I'm a comedian and I know from experience, I've I've never been on stage really drunk. And the idea of that is horrific to me. Like Mm, that's potentially very embarrassing and awful. It's a bit like driving in my head. That's just not something. Quite often, especially when we started and Helen and I, this is work. Like this is our job. Like we do take it semi-seriously some of the time. Like, so that's not my issue. I know that I'm funny um, without booze. And in fact, I'm I'm funny, funny, yeah, yeah. To be honest, um, and if you listen back to our some of our Scummy Mummy podcast episodes, you will hear that that's definitely true. <laughs> so I know that's the case, but it's more. I think for me, actually, I like the thing when you're all a bit pissed and there's a bit of oversharing, right? Yeah. I like it when you get a bit intimate and you say things. And again, I think that's maybe about me actually, and not about other people. I think it's about. I'm a person who thinks themselves as very strong and I sometimes find it a bit difficult to be vulnerable and say, I'm having a problem with this or this mm. bad thing happened or I feel this way about this situation or this person or this, you know. And I think if, when I'm a bit drunk, my, my barriers, barriers come down, come down yeah. a bit, especially if the other person's barriers have come down. So there, I find it easy to be vulnerable with someone else is going, look, here's a terrible secret. I'll go, brilliant, I've got one. <laughs> that you know yeah. so I guess that's it Stephanie we've all got we've all got shit haven't we we've got to sort it out 
Well, yeah, we don't have to sort it out, but yeah, we That's have That's the name of the podcast, stuff. Stephanie. Don't undermine the brand. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you can and move forward and that's great. But yeah, we have all got stuff. And you, if you like sharing, then being in a group where people are sharing, then you could practice that. Mm. And there's no alcohol involved in that or drugs. And mm. you could practice being vulnerable and sharing without being under the influence. That sounds quite hard, <laughs> but I know you're right. I know you're right. Well, it's something you, you and I did when, when we worked together. I yeah. was very vulnerable with you. I've, I've, we, we've done some, well, not you. I've done some crying on a Zoom with you, Stephanie, and, and I was not pissed for any of those <laughs> sessions. So you're quite, you're quite right. So, uh, yeah. I think it's like putting yourself around different people, isn't it? So we talked earlier, me and Stephanie, about how we know each other and it's in a business centre, in a, a business community where you actually have to be vulnerable because you can't move forward mm. and you can't get the right help that you need to in your business unless you actually communicate what's going wrong or what's not going right or the things that are holding you back and I think when you start surrounding yourself with people that are on a similar journey or do have a similar aspiration to you it allows you to be more vulnerable I've got a group of girls who we could all completely wear our heart on our sleeves and we talk about everything sex like everything there are there are no boundaries but we're all sober we don't need to drink with each other but we've all got very similar personalities and we all want to achieve similar things so I think if you're looking at your relationships then that's not just with your partner but with your friendships and you don't feel like you can be maybe as vulnerable unless you're pissed Mm. then maybe is it worth seeking new relationships for something else that you need at that point in your life it's not about getting rid of the old relationships because those people are just as important Mm. and that people serve you for different things don't Mm. they so I think maybe it's about putting yourself out of your comfort zone and if you're missing something and alcohol gives you that actually how can you create that when you're sober yes bit Uh, deep that's 100% no I I like it it's good yeah very strong uh, anything else in the toolbox Stephanie? loads and loads of things um so change your routines do things differently you know hobbies exercise connections reward so if you're like jay was saying not for everyone but for a lot of people we're drinking because it gives us something it facilitates something so whether that's relaxation or stress relief or you know to socialize whatever it is if you drink less or you know have alcohol free days then what's missing and how can you get that elsewhere so that's why people talk about you know hobbies exercise stuff like that and it might you might be like oh I don't want to run don't want to do this that's where it comes back to take the actions so through that you'll figure out what it is Mm. that you where you can get your rewards so essentially alcohol you know without going into loads of detail with the neuroscience you know you get a dopamine release which is the reward so if you do less of that or you don't drink at all then how else are you going to get your hits essentially how else are you going to get your rewards so there's two sides of that which is doing things differently and changing things up but the other side of it is actively rewarding yourself you know thinking about well this week I've significantly reduced my units brilliant how am I going to treat and reward myself for that? And it might sound a bit like five-year-old naughty step gold star stuff, but it actually does work. Mm. You know, these small things, definitely. Um, mm. Yeah, I've, I've found that for me, exercise does work boringly. 
Cause, and I think it's all right to say, and I think it should be all right to say, that I don't actually like doing the exercise. Yeah. It's not yeah. often really unpleasant yeah. <laughs> doing it. Yeah. But it's almost like, for me, it's almost like drinking in reverse. Because like drinking is like really nice, but then you get the terrible payoff, which is the hangover and yeah. all, of, all of the emotional, mental stuff that comes with it. Whereas with alcohol, you have like this sort of unpleasant 45 minutes or whatever it is, but then you feel great for the rest of the yeah. day. So even the proportion is is sort of reversed and it's it's only taken me 45 years to learn that so that's going really well yeah yeah I agree I don't like exercise at all but I love what it gives me mm. you get to smell fug- feel smug all day yeah 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 it's a good feeling definitely um think it through press pause definitely so in my world we call that tit so everybody just remembers it you know like Joe was talking about you know if you're out and you want to have a couple of drinks you know, it's thinking about what am I doing the next day? Like you said, if I've got stuff planned in the next day, then I don't drink. You know, it's really thinking about these things about how you schedule your time and how you want to feel and then making, you know, choices about that. The difference between having quite a significant problem and reducing is compulsion and choice, essentially. You know, when when somebody is in that compulsion where they're drinking and they can't reduce then they need to go and see their doctor and get medical support. Whereas if you can keep reducing and build up your alcohol-free days and then create new habits and put those rewards in and focus on all the good stuff, then you'll be able to make those changes definitely and keep thinking it through. A lot of this stuff is boring. It is, you know, like count new units, boring. But it works. Mm. You know, we wouldn't be saying this if it didn't work. So you've got to make some of it fun. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it's yeah. a bit serious and boring. You need it? a drink to get over I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> of counting your units. But the bottom line is, if, you, if you're at a point where you're listening to this and you're thinking about your drinking, it's because it's impacting on your life in some way, whether that's how you feel physically or emotionally, or there's some sort of risk aspect to it. You know, if you reduce your drinking, build up your alcohol-free days, you will feel better. No matter how boring that is, whatever it is that you're doing, you will feel better. And then at some point, the feeling better will kick in and you'll feel the benefits and you won't be doing all that other stuff because you'll just be in it and you'll be drinking less and job Mm. done. Yeah, for me, it's like comparison, isn't it? Like you just said something earlier that I didn't even mention, but that whole post-drink anxiety... Yeah. Like that would last for days and it yeah. got more and more intense. Yeah. How, how did well. that manifest for you? What was that for like? me, it was just thinking that something really bad was going to happen to my kids or to me or my partner. So that whole Sunday where they would go out and do stuff and I was hanging in bed. Um, if my partner didn't text me back, I would think, God, they've been in a car accident or something really bad's happened. Or Wow, so that's real. And that's not just hang anxiety. That's not, oh, did I get pissed and show my minge last night? Oh, that's yeah, no, there was probably an element of that if I got really, really drunk. Yeah, like, what the fuck did I say to that person? I mean, there was one time where I got so drunk, actually. Oh, it was, yeah, it was really embarrassing. I literally passed out outside my house. My key was up my drive that my kids found the next day. Like my husband literally had to put me to bed. Like that was probably one of the worst times. And then the next morning I woke up on Twitter and people were tweeting me going, are you okay? You were really bad last night. And like messages from people that I don't even remember seeing. So that was definitely a bad thing. But then, yeah, if I would message him and he wouldn't message back or... I didn't know where they were. My like my mind just used to go mental. And that would be like the next day. And mm-hmm. then it'll actually be two or three days where he'd go and pick them up from school or whatever. And I would just envision 
And that would always happen after I'd been drinking to a point where I wouldn't want them to go to school because I was just so worried that something was going to happen on the way there. And like, that's not normal behavior. So I think, yes, it might be boring to count your units or do that. Yeah, delay your start time. (laughs) But actually in comparison to what you're preventing. Yes, that's the wrong kind of exciting, I could argue. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I just think actually what's, yeah, what's more important to you? And I just do not want to feel like that. So why would I do that to myself intentionally? Yeah. Mm. And that's the thinking it through bit, isn't it? Yeah. So so if anxiety was the dominant problem for you, Mm. and I would say to you, well, when you look at alcohol, that's what you're drinking. Because when you drink alcohol, right, maybe 30, 45 minutes, it's nice. But then in a few hours later, it's going to be anxiety. It's going to be anxiety for days. So that's what you're choosing. When you drink, you're choosing anxiety. Is it worth that moment of pleasure where you could drink less and have one and drink it slowly? Oh, that just gave me goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the informed choice bit, isn't it? I'm not saying it's easy, but it happens over time. Yeah. Mm. Have you got any tips for, so you go, right, I'm just going to have one drink. Brilliant. Yeah. I choose, I choose, I choose life. That's fine. Yeah, she's like, uh, and then you have that one drink, and then of course the the chemicals start flowing, yeah. and then your brain starts going, "Oh well, you've had one anyway. You can't yeah. press the little yellow square on your little calendar yeah. anyway. You fucked it now. Just have another one." How? What's the strategy for dealing with that? Well, that's. I mean, that's all or nothing thinking, isn't it? It's not supportive. So it's that classic example of where your thoughts aren't supporting you. So if you, if you know, if you go out, you're at a social event, you've decided to have one drink, you've had your soft drink first, you've eaten first you know you're having a lovely time enjoy your drink that's great and then something triggers in your brain and you're like oh that was nice mm. oh, I could do another one of them oh yeah, yeah well, that's, that's the voice that's what it is it's a bit, <laughs> a bit naughty it's just catching that isn't it it's like you, I'm going to say some really cheesy things now I'm, I'm right, ready for it hang I'm, on let me let me on. just unclench okay, okay. all right I'm ready. ready so you are not your voice you know those thoughts they're just thoughts I don't know if you've noticed but you have loads of random thoughts throughout the day most of which are of no use to you whatsoever many of which are about Michael Bublé but again that's yes, a story for another completely time completely pointless <laughs> they're not fact and they're not helpful so you've gone there with an intention. You've done really well. You know what you're doing. You know, so if you catch that thought, it's like, okay, well, if I have another drink, what's going to happen? Well, chances are, if I have another one, I'm going to have a third and a fourth and a fifth. Okay, do I want to have that much to drink? What am I doing tomorrow? What will happen if I have that much? How will I feel? You know, so it's just thinking it through, pressing pause, slowing it down. You know, if you need to get up, go for a walk, have a dance, play with a child, you know, like just press pause for 15 minutes set 15 minutes on your phone so okay i'm not going to have another drink for 15 minutes i'm going to go and do something yeah i'm going to come back can we talk about the the planning thing because again this might not be something for everybody but i i am a planner yeah i like a calendar i like a bullet journal i like a (laughs) to-do list i like a highlighter pen i like a clipboard that's me (laughs) so one of the things um i found really helpful stephanie working with you was was making a, a diary for the week, a plan mm. for the week yeah. of when I was going to drink and not drink. Yep. So like Monday, what have I got on? Nothing. Yep. Don't drink. Tuesday, yep. it's so-and-so's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Well, how many are we going to drink? Well, on Wednesday, I've got the gym at 8am. Mm-hmm. So maybe only two drinks or whatever mm-hmm. it is. And I found that really helpful. And I'm still doing that. Um, but sometimes I feel bad about it. Sometimes I feel like, why is alcohol still such a big part of my life? that I have to plan it. Do I need to worry about that? 
I would say it depends on whether it works for you. So what it sounds like is the planning works for you. Yeah? I rarely go off the plan because, again, not only do I like a plan, I like I to stick, stick to, to a it. plan. That's <laughs> me. So, <laughs> so what you're telling me is you make a plan, yeah? Yeah. You mostly stick to it. Mostly. Yeah. yeah. And so do you drink less? Yes, th- than I was a year ago for sure, definitely. Brilliant. Okay. So Do I still drink more than I'd like to? Probably. Okay. So the issue isn't really the plan. It's do you want to drink less and continue cutting down? Mm. Yes and no. So yes, I think I think the plan works and I'm definitely drinking much less than I was and I feel mentally more in control of it and mm-hmm. I'm able to do things like just have three glasses of wine or leave a bit of wine on the table mm-hmm. or have, you know, days consecutive days where I don't drink. So I definitely feel like I've made a change and I'm definitely yeah. more in control. There are definitely nights where I still drink more than I meant to. I haven't had a really bad situation like a vomity scene for a, for a long time so there's that I guess mm-hmm. um but I do, this is this is ultimately what it comes down to I still really like drinking yeah um I really enjoy it and again I would say probably actually less than I did and I've become more noticed of like do I really need another glass of wine in front of the telly if I'm just watching the telly mm. am I a bit pissed already yeah again that's there's been a shift there Brilliant. I suppose the final piece for me is, is I guess, probably the, the health thing. I'm probably, yeah. you know, mentally I feel a lot better. My emotional mental health is a lot better because I'm drinking less. Mm-hmm. And on the days where it's not, I can often track that back to alcohol. Yeah. So there's that. But yeah, I guess it's it's longevity. And a lot of my friends, their parents are getting ill and they're getting ill. And, and mm-hmm. cancer, which we know is, mm-hmm. is very much linked to alcohol. Yeah. So that, I suppose, is the is the final struggle for me. It's between wanting to live a long life and be healthy and wanting to enjoy my life mm-hmm. and have a really, really good Montepulciano with my dinner. Can you not have both? But if I honestly, in an ideal world, if I'm being totally honest, I would have both and I would have Montepulciano every night. <laughs> but I know I can't do that. I know that's not a good idea. Okay, so what you're saying is... You feel better for drinking less. Yes, I do. That you can do it, that you're having alcohol-free days, that you yeah. can, you're being more mindful, that you can say no, you can put the drink down. Yeah. You do notice the impact on your emotional health and you're aware of the impact on your physical health. Yes. So could you drink less but still have that enjoyment? Yes. Well, there we are. Yeah. Oh, how are you feeling at the moment, Joe? about your drinking? Do you feel like you're totally on top of it? You're at the right level where you want to be? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, for how me, much like are I'm, you drinking? Like, not a lot. I went... Um, me and a friend went shopping the other day and we stayed over and we had two in the bar and that was fine. We're going to have a party and I'll probably have three or four maybe. But I think I, again, I love a plan. I love a to-do list. Like I've created my own I've got that fit. I know we've just yeah. met Joe, but I've got that feeling. I've got that vibe, mate. I've got that. Yeah. I've got I that. Think it's I that knew control. I was amongst friends when I was saying all of that. We're just we, we love highlighters and to-do lists. Oh. So yeah, I do love a plan. So if I'm going out and I don't want to drink, I will be Desi Driver. Because again, it's about um. knowing who you are. So if I'm a people pleaser actually I'm pleasing them in a different way because actually I'm allowing them to have a drink and I can pick them up. We're human beings. We have, we're complicated. 
So why do we have to make things more complicated for ourselves? So if you like a drink, have a drink. If you don't like the effects that it has on you, then drink, drink less. less or drink yeah. none. It's yeah. It, and I think that every day is different and we're going to go through life and they're going to be good days and there's going to be bad days and we're going to use alcohol to celebrate or commiserate or do you know what I mean? I just think just be, we need to be more kind to ourselves. Like even watching you talking, it's it's such quite it's quite a sensitive conversation, isn't it? And I think sometimes we are so we're more hard on ourselves than we are other people. Mm. And if we have one more than we're supposed to, then we beat ourselves up for it. Well, we're human. We make mistakes, and it's okay. Like tomorrow is the new day. Let's yeah. start it again. Get back on track. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I'm feeling a bit better about myself. <laughs> Appreciate your kind words in this difficult time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can be aware that. You just have to do the work, yeah. Yeah, you can be aware. So I'm aware that I love chocolate and I eat a lot of chocolate. So mm. I'm aware of that and I don't hang out in supermarkets buying mm. giant bars of chocolate because I know I'm going to eat it all. You know that you like alcohol a lot, so you're working on changing that. Mm. So and you the- can change your mind. Yes. yes. I think there's such a big thing about once you make a statement or once you make a decision, that's it and that's it forever. Mm. I think actually we can change our mind. Like when I was 18 months without alcohol, people said to me, do you think you drink again? I was like, no, I don't. And then the fact that I did have a drink or I did have a couple of nights out, I didn't then beat myself up about it and made myself feel like a failure because I'd said to somebody flippantly that I don't think I'd drink again. Mm -hmm. Like, it's my decision, it's my life. And if I feel like having a drink, then I'll have a drink because I can now. I don't have to go mm. crazy. And even if I did go crazy, like, as long as no one dies and no, no one goes to prison, yeah. yeah, then the actually, after it's yeah, good. exactly. Yeah. Who's it going to hurt? Choice. It's only going to hurt myself and then I'm probably not ever going to do it again. Again, mm. I might do it again in a year or five years. or ten. Like, mm. whatever. I just think, let's not be so hard on ourselves. Let's try and make those small changes that are going to benefit us in the long run. Let's do right now what feels right and what makes us happy. Let's finish, as always, with a nugget of wisdom. So I would say get clear on what you want and don't be afraid to communicate that to the people around you. And if they don't accept that, then change the people around you. Oh, strong. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Very strong nugget, almost a haiku there from Joe. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Stephanie, now you've given us so many nuggets i mean about 50 or 60 just in this episode alone um it feels only right that the final word should belong to you what is your number one series ending nugget okay so if you want to make changes to your drinking whether you believe you can or you can't you can that's the most important thing and if you don't believe that you can find someone else that does believe that so quite often in my world people come in and they'll be like oh I don't think I can do it so it doesn't matter I know you can do it I'll just teach you how to do it and then through that process like everything you've heard about in these podcasts then it comes down to patience and persistence and learning and not giving yourself a hard time I want to know what your nugget is no one ever asked me for a nugget because I don't know anything about anything uh <laughs> what's my nugget I think to look at as we've said to look at the bigger picture so to look at it about Every day is different. And as you say, we, we change and develop. And sometimes it's about putting another coin on the pile rather than, oh, I screwed up. Might as well screw up some more. Or yeah. I screwed up yesterday. So now I have to not screw up for the next two weeks or it's all a complete disaster. Um, and just sort of looking at the longer term 
goal that you're trying to achieve. And the best metaphor I heard about the all or nothing thinking, one of the ladies in my group talks about it. She says, you don't throw a bunch of flowers out if one of the flowers dies. Oh, oh, well, there we go. Um, so that's been this episode and that's been the first series of Sort Your Shit Out. So massive thanks to Joe for being a wonderful guest today. Thank you. Thank you, of course, to Stephanie for all of your nuggets. So many nuggets. Thank you to lovely Laura Grimshaw, the producer, who's made it all go and plugged it all in and uh, turned it off and on again when it needs to be. Thanks. And thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's been useful. I've been and remain Ellie Gibson. I've learned a lot and I'm a bit less pissed most of the time. Results! Yay, Yay. brilliant. (laughs) Bye-bye. Follow us on social media. We're at SISO Podcast on Instagram, that's S-Y-S-O Podcast, or just at SISO Pod on Twitter and Facebook. Sort Your Shit Out was devised and presented by me, Ellie Gibson, with Stephanie Chivers. The music is by John Thorne and it was produced by Laura Grimshaw. Thank you to Remedy Kombucha for sponsoring the podcast. For more information, go to remedydrinks.com. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.